What's going on, listeners? This is your co-host, Ridge, coming back, Just Goes to Show, live after a little week hiatus with my co-host, Chiss, here. We took a little vacation. We've been working too hard, I think. Yeah, you got to treat yourself every now and then. Treat yourself. Yeah, but um, obviously, excited to be back, Jack. Good to be back, It feels really good to be back. It's good. Um, Got a little bit to catch up on, uh, looking ahead a little bit as well, but it's been an interesting couple of weeks uh, of footy, so I'm excited to dive in, and uh, good to be back. Yeah, to hit you with the agenda, as always, the, the, the pace setter here, Jack. We're going to start here with... the syllabus. Yeah, the, the little syllabus. Um, is it, it's not a resume, is it? Maybe no. a cover letter? A syllabus, I think. E, e, I think yeah, right syllabus word. is far more applicable. Um, so we're going to catch up on uh, the trip that I just had over to the UK, some of the games I went to, and then talk about those. Some interesting phenomena. Phenomenon? Phenomena? Occurred. Phenomena. 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 Occurred at the phenomenon. Occurred at the the matches that I was at. Chris also popped over to New York City, so love a little take on that. The windy city, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Mauricio Sarri's drama at Chelsea. Kind of just the infrastructure of Chelsea. Looking at Kenny Salvage's job, his fault players. I'm uh, talking about some of the links there as well. Then also bring back uh, Emiliano Sala. Uh, not literally bring him back. That's too soon, probably. Um, but Chris is laughing, head in his hands. Um, I can't believe he said that. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Talking, talking a little bit about uh, some of the the kind of wave effects of ripple effects of, of this transfer and the insurance after that. Then we're going to hit you. Well, I get hit with trivia today. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our predictions um, and give a little NBC a shout out with the predictor app. So, Chris. I guess anything you want to touch on before I just start talking no, about myself. I think myself. you should just talk about yourself for a while on your trip. Cool. So, you know, about for now up until, we'll see what, the almost two minute, just past two minute mark to like four minutes. You can tune out if you really don't like me. Um, but where I just was, uh, I was in uh, in the UK, back there. It feels like I'm, I've gotten back a cheeky amount of times recently. I'm just back and I saw last Saturday in the, the most recent round of Premier League fixtures, Crystal Palace play at Selhurst Park uh, with my girlfriend Lily against uh, West Ham. Uh, it was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Chris Palace went down 1-0 in the first half and then played really, really well in the second half. Um, you saw that game on TV, and even being at, it was probably the best atmosphere that's been on at Selhurst this season. I'm obviously a little biased because I was there, but it was absolutely mental. Like, fancying the entire time, it was end-to-end stuff. It was really, really good, like, good exhibition of Premier League football. It was pretty noticeable on TV, uh, the atmosphere. It just was kind of an electric match as well. And credit to West Ham because they kept it interesting as well. It was just pretty high paced from both sides and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but Palace have been in the news a little bit recently, maybe because our, our Twitter feeds are a little bit biased. We don't follow a lot of Palace counts, but uh, with like the fan atmosphere and stuff, especially after their FA Cup win last weekend, um, and like they're kind of getting a, some heat from some people, but then other people are really into it. And I don't. It's like a big debate now whether Palace had the best fans in the Premier League or whether they're a bunch of tin pots or whatever. Yeah, a bunch of just you know. I mean, to be honest, being there, it was it was awesome. It was I it was a bit one of the best matches I've been to in a while. Just because as well, it kind of teed up perfectly where we went down the first half. So this, the dramatic comeback where we were down one nil really threw everything we had at at West Ham and should have won the game. I thought particularly, um, I thought Wilfred Zaha looked a lot more like his old self. He ended up getting a goal off of a off a deflection. And Jimmy MacArthur probably missed 
the sitter of the season and Mishibatsu. I missed this year. Mishis was bad, but Jimmy's was just painful. It was like blowing up all over the internet because he had two guys he could pass it to to the right. He could have easily scored it himself, and then he tried to like, go a little near post chip almost thing and mm-hmm. missed the net wide. It was it was really bad. Yeah, so as it gets firsthand as well. The the Palace fans, the, the ultras down there in the corner. So for those who are listening, the season tickets that the Ridgeways have that my my dad has um, are about. I think they're 11 rows up. I'm going off memory here. I was going to guess 12. Yeah, so my dad would be disappointed there. if I get the row wrong. But 11 rows up right behind where if you watch Crystal Palace on TV, right behind where the ultras sit. So there's a guy at the front, obviously, who's facing the stands the entire game, doesn't watch any of the game, and just decides what, what chance to sing. There were a couple new chants out that I hadn't heard before. They had the one that was like, South, South, South London, South, South, South London, which I hadn't heard before, which I didn't really like. The way you're um, singing it, I don't like it very much. I don't, right. I don't remember hearing that one. I don't have a Croy, yeah, Croydon accent. But, I don't um, know. It sound better with the accent. That one's kind of but a little bland. The uh, but the singing was great, and the Palace fans were really, really loud. And kind of, you felt like they kind of pulled the ball in into the net in the second half. Like they were destined to score. The Palace fans were, or the Palace attack was coming towards the end that we were at. So you kind of felt like it was inevitable that we were going to get an equalizer. They just could have gone on one through one. But oh, at- well, actually, I have one last thing about that. That was kind of interesting. Then we'll move on. But um, remember at the beginning of the season when. They weren't going to give those seats to the Homestale Fanatics, and they didn't for yes. a while. And do you think – so for you guys, those who don't know, the Ultras, they're called the Homestale Fanatics. Palace, before the season, like as season ticket holders, basically gave up their seats to higher bidders. So for the first couple of months of the season, the atmosphere was significantly worse. That's not exactly what happened. So. Yeah, I, I didn't want to get too involved, but you, you can well, talk right more detail just for for the record. Um, the, the Palace – the Homestale Fanatics wanted to move behind the goal for better seating. And so they wanted to move there because they obviously contribute a lot to the atmosphere. So they, they asked the office. The office said, no, you have to stay where you are in the corner. And they were pissed because they claimed to bring you know the best atmosphere in the Premier League to the ground and like a lot of revenue. So they should be able to move their seats um, and just swap them over a block. And then – but uh, Steve Parrish said no. So then okay, they well, protested. Yeah, sorry. But either way, then eventually I think Parrish was like, all right, we need you guys back. After a couple of months, basically, they came to an agreement to get their old spot back. And I think Palace had been a lot better at home since that happened. A ton better. They weren't scoring at all. Yeah, no, they started the season off in really poor form, and it was strange. So, I mean, to say the fans, I don't know. It's, it it's, makes a difference, I think. Yeah. I mean, growing up as a kid, I I never thought that home, you know, kind of home field advantage was a big deal. But when you're at the ground and you're there and you're feeling the emotion and intensity of it, you feel like those those kind of – Quick decision, referee decisions kind of go for you as opposed to against you. What Luka Milivojevic could have easily been sent off in, in, in the game. But I thought moving on from Palace, um, really impressive display, a game that they should have won. It kind of follows the typical thing we've seen from Palace this season where they played really well, don't get leave some points on the table, um, but they also advance in the cup this weekend. So we're satisfied with Palace. Chris and I are feeling really good about that. We were saying the other day we feel really good about the way they're playing right now. So full credit, good time to be a Palace fan. Um, then the other game that I went to was at Wembley. So I've actually been to Wembley twice now this past year. Cheeky Wembley trips. Uh, one for the Villa final uh, playoff final last season, and, and then one. this one. Yes, and then this one was uh, for Spurs against Leicester. Spurs won the game three one. Uh, and Son had the third goal. The first was from Davison Sanchez, and the second was Christian Eriksen from a, a good shot outside the box. And then two things that were interesting happened in that game. One, um, Leicester uh, went down uh, went down two 0 and then scored relatively quickly to go back to two one. And then Jamie Vardy was subbed on, and with his first kick as a substitution, so he was subbed on and hadn't touched the ball yet, and he took a penalty. 
and it was saved by Hugo Lloris. So with his first kick on the field, took a penalty and was saved. Always an interesting move. You feel like someone's not really up to speed on the game, and they have a lot of time to like think about the fact that they're going to take a penalty when they run on, and then he missed it, so that didn't look great. But it was just it was an interesting dynamic. Like You're not in kind of the run of the game, and then you take a penalty. It's interesting. It is interesting. I think it's something that when, you're, when your penalty taker is Jamie Flaherty, you feel pretty good about still because he's normally pretty good from the spot. He's experienced. He doesn't really seem some, like a guy that gets nerves. Yeah, he's kind of a psychopath. He's he's really a psychopath. He probably drank like twelve Red Bulls before he got on the Yeah, pitch. I he, he probably didn't even think. Or if there's a way to like inject Red Bull into your veins. Jamie Vardy does. It, that. Wasn't there a story about him drinking like four Red Bulls a day? He butt chugged one one time. <laughs> he is wild, but I, I'm I don't know. I mean, I think that it is interesting. Like coming off your your cold, he probably ran a couple of sprints up the sideline and then go out and take a penalty against Spurs away at Wembley. But I think. I'd probably do it again if I were them. Yeah, and then that that goal, or, you know, had he scored there, you think, you know, I mean, Leicester equalized two two. The second half was all Leicester, but instead they don't, and then Sun kind of nicks a goal at the at the at the death and and scores three one, which pivots me into this into the the the. the probably one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a football match. I've been to quite a few matches in my lifetime now. Season ticket holder with Villa, Palace. I've been, you know, back, like I said, I've been back a few times this year alone. We get it. You go to a lot of games. Yeah. Games are tight. We get and, it. Um, Find a new slant. With, with these games, obviously people get there before the games start and watch the warm-ups. Right, some people do that. They look but not for, all of them. A lot of them are in the pubs. Right, like you tend to get a pint. You tend to get a pint in the concourse. Um, talk a little, maybe get your bets in. Bet on the first score. Bet on the, the fixture. I tried to do that, but it's cash only in Wembley. Absolute nightmare. Who has cash these days? Um, but when I I went, me me and my girlfriend went down there to check out the seats, and we got to like row. We were in row six, and the same side as the benches. So the players kind of came out next to us, which is really cool. Uh, brilliant seats, and around me were hundreds and hundreds of Sun jerseys. And I mean hundreds. I mean, we'll tweet a pick out later. Hundreds of Sun jerseys and the occasional South Korea jacket. And it was a ton of, I would assume, Korean Londoners, you know, people from Korea or have roots in Korea or whatever, who live in London, who... It was almost a, like a spiritual – it was like they were following a, like it was a religious figure. And the way the attention he was getting, people were screaming his name, waving frantically. There was a woman two rows in front of me who had a Sun jersey. She was wearing one and then in, was holding one the all game. And every time Sun got the ball, she would stand up, wave it like it was a flag and go, Sun, Sun. And then whenever he got really close, she would wave at him with her hand and then blow kisses to him and say, Sunny, Sunny, Sunny. She was with her boyfriend too. Like, God bless that guy. But like he, I've I never mean, seen I, – I, it's tough. I, I guess I, I got to send the picture out. It's tough to articulate how much of a ridiculous cult-like following – Youngman's son so, at this so football match. Let me, so the, uh, Jack has a video of it, I'm, so I can tell everyone he's not just talking out of his ass. The thing is, the thing about it is, it's not like he was in a packed stadium with this video where like every seat's filled and you see like hundreds and hundreds of South Korean people with these sun kits on. It was like the stadium was like maybe ten percent filled. First, like and ninety like percent of the people in the stadium were wearing sun kits and looked like they were of South Korean origin. And it really was crazy. Like, they're all just taking pictures of him running up and down this, the pitch. and He's just warming up. It was just warming up. And it um, makes me wonder if, like, maybe you were in a part of the stadium where there were more Sun fans or if that's what it was like for the entire Well, we were in the uh, Sun. Huh? But a bunch. Bad joke. Got him. Um, 
But it is interesting. And so we were talking about this a little bit before, but you were saying that maybe, like, I think people consider Sun to be potentially the best South Korean athlete ever. Yeah, of all time. Um, Which is crazy. So, I mean, if you live in London, you you have to probably be at every one of those games. Yeah, I just think, and obviously, like, you know, uh, well, I, in, I was actually staying in Chinatown. Me and my girlfriend had an Airbnb in Chinatown, which obviously, you know, China and Korea are very different countries, of course. But... It, um, you know, I saw a few matches kind of, ha- or a few jerseys heading back to where we were staying after the match. And it was just, it was unlike just anything I've ever seen before. I think, you know, I, and it makes me wonder, I know obviously some of, some of the Korean ash- athletes and some athletes from Asian, you know, Asian countries from Japan, we, you and I were just talking about I the think, Chinese yeah, player in the French league. Like I know they get, tend to get pretty big followings because there aren't that many of them over there and, you know. People are a lot of Jersey sports sales. fans. It's yeah. like it makes me think of a little bit like when um, Yao Ming was in the NBA. Yeah, and like, like that. that's kind of what blew up basketball in China. But yeah. he was just insane, um, and like it's just kind of like this figure that enters like a, a sport that it's kind of I mean, it's probably like what Salah's like for Egypt too. Absolutely, and, and honestly, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot like for you know American Brits or Americans when Pulisic is over and if Pulisic has a splash and turns it like imagine if Pulisic goes on to have that kind of career Son has. I imagine there'll be very similar people fangirling you know Pulisic out in London as well. You know what I mean? Probably, yeah. I don't know if it'll be exactly the same or not, just because I think American sport interests are a little bit more divided, um, whereas like I don't know. Biased opinion, but perhaps. Yeah, I and mean, obviously this is all biased opinion. But um, I don't know. It's still really interesting, and the video was wild, so it was really cool to see. But any other like, takeaways from Wembley? Do you want to talk at all about the stadium, or do we just... Uh, Wembley... I mean, because you, you shouldn't have been at Wembley. Well, it's funny. The last thing I'll touch on is I went to... Um, so I was... Uh, obviously, Spurs have supposed to have the new stadium open for a while now, and they keep pushing back the, the open date. So I was, I was kind of hoping it was going to be in the new stadium, and then I found out it wasn't, and it probably won't be open until next season. And then... Um, we went over to the the um, London Stadium where West Ham play uh, to go pick up some gear for Joe Clifford, Shut Up Joe. And when we, I went to London Stadium, London Stadium is where West Ham permanently play out of now. And they've kind of transformed it into a West Ham stadium. And it had a lot more of a homey feel. Just walking around the outside of the stadium in the concourse, you know, the, uh, things are actually decorated in the West Ham colors and things like that. And I was kind of th- trying to compare it to Wembley the entire time. It just it doesn't it's not right. Like the whole top level of Wembley's empty for Spurs games. There's actually the whole top of it. It's kinda like it just feels weird. And it was really quiet, um, you know, comparative to it's just a completely different experience. If you're a neutral and you're gonna go to a couple games, like I had a friend at work today ask me, Hey, I'm going to London in a couple weeks, should I go to Fulham at home against Liverpool or Spurs at home against somebody? I, I've looked at tickets for either one. I said, No no brainer, go to Fulham, go to Craven mm-hmm. Cottage. Um, and I felt it feels silly saying that, but it's just a more authentic experience and I hope that Spurs are able to get some of that back when they get to the new stadium. Yeah, and it looks the new ground looks pretty amazing from some of the videos. And we'll stuff, find out. But we gotta move on a little bit. Uh, we're taking a long time. So I was in New York last weekend as well. We'll just, I'm just going to touch on this for a second. But I went to the football factory with a few of our buddies who are all Palace fans. We watched some FA Cup matches, saw Palace beat Doncaster 2-0, and Swansea won their match against, I think it was Brentford, 4-1. Um, so that was really cool. I don't Whether you're listening from like New York or Detroit or Chicago or wherever, you should try to find a soccer pub to go to. Yeah, it's a really fun experience. I think the football factory in New York is kind of like for me the mecca 
of American bars when it comes to football. I think it probably is. Yeah. Um, so there you go, Football Factory. A little plug for you. It's, Hopefully, I mean, they have like flags and scarves everywhere. The owner is awesome. It's they, they'll like divide up different sections of the bar depending on what matches are on, with like flags and stuff. So you're like with your own supporters. It's it's really fun time. Yeah, good place. Um, anyway, so we're going to move on a little bit to what's going on with Chelsea right now. They're a bit of a mess. Maurizio Sarri's been on the hot seat for at least a month now, probably a little bit longer than that. And they just lost again in the FA Cup to United. Um, they're, it seems like he's kind of lost the locker room. He had the we, we talked about it at one point, but had that uh, press conference where he had the translator and basically called out the players for not being motivated, and it's really going downhill and getting a little bit messy. Yeah, um, I didn't really want to talk about Chelsea, but well, I don't. We don't talk about it long, but it's a big story right now. Yeah, I don't have a thing for Chelsea. Chris, I don't really like Chris. Her. Put him in the in the syllabus, of course. That's because I made the whole thing. You got if you want to talk about what you want to talk about, then you got to contribute a little bit more to the planning of it, because otherwise, this is going to be all things that I'm interested. Professor in. Chiss over here with the syllabus about Chelsea. This is Chelsea 101. No, I think um, it obviously is a huge topic right now, Maurizio. Sorry, and you know, I foretold a few weeks ago that. I thought sorry I was going to lose his job because I think it was such a ridiculously bold move and I think any you know any manager any anyone who uh, I guess anyone who's been ever been part of a team in anything if you think about the dynamic of the the unit that they have at Chelsea right now it's got to be absolutely miserable right you have a manager who brutally and blatantly called you out he continues to play the same lineup every single week they're not getting the job done there's no squad rotation he's so he's he's extremely stubborn to play his system he won't play any new players or bring new players into the squad i was hoping that when they played uh, in the cup this past uh, weekend against manchester united that they were going to bring in ruben loftus cheek um, maybe play olivier uh, olivier Giroud. Um, so that was my inner French accent. I was just in Paris. Not bad. Um, and then, you know, hopefully rotate some new, new midfielders in there because Conte and Kovacic are just, you know, they're not getting any Jorginho, goals. They're not yeah, getting any goals working. from midfield. They're not getting any goals from midfield whatsoever. They don't have enough creativity in, with the midfield. He's very, very stubborn. It's just... With I, his system and his lineups and... They're playing the same team every week and they're not getting points. At this point, man, like, you know, he's got... He, I mean, he's got to see that his he's doomed but he continues to stick by his guns so i mean i i would say you know in some situations you can say oh to his credit standing by what he believes works and trying to replicate his success his his two biggest purchases that he's had are both former players at napoli he's bought Jorginho and and inwain yeah and uh (laughs) Jorginho hasn't really been great he's been i think he's been a little bit of a scapegoat because he's kind of sorry's guy but he hasn't been great um yeah he didn't buy him from napoli but he did manage him at napoli and It's just it, it kind of reminds me of the Mourinho thing because it's just the stubbornness about it all and kind of refusing to back down and he wants to it, it's, be like the big presence in it when it's clearly not working. The players aren't behind him anymore, but it's just like it's typical Chelsea. I mean, this yeah. is what they do. They just alienate ma- managers and players whenever things go a little bit rough, and you basically have like a few months to take over and really make an impact. And if you have a run of six bad games, it could be done. Yeah, well, what, what'll be really interesting is inevitably Frank Lampard is going to end up with the job at Chelsea. Inevitably, Lampard's going to end up back at Chelsea as the manager because he's a club legend and he's he's doing all right at Derby in the championship right now. Doing Inev- pretty well. In- inevitably, he ends up back at Chelsea. What happens when club legend Frank Lampard loses like four straight games? Right? Do they then do the same thing? Do they alienate arguably the biggest legendary player of all time and say, uh, at, in Chelsea's history, the most decorated player they've ever had, and say, uh, you know what, mate, you've lost a few, few in a row now. I'm just going to Branovich tell him to walk just like everybody else. Because you, you have to feel that someone needs to – I mean, heck, he didn't, he didn't do it with Mourinho. Conte won him a title, and then the, there's no loyalty there. It just seems like 
someone with has has to have such a big resume or muscle behind them of historical success to be able to actually earn enough of a, a length on the rope from a, a Bramovich, you know, length on the leash. Or you just be really good and not ever have, have the leash have to be tugged. Yeah, I mean, but like it, realistically, no one can ever be – no season. I mean look at the way Liverpool are playing right now. Look at Man City. Everyone – inevitable. It's sport, right? It's, 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 yeah, but I mean if, if Chelsea are, win every game, if Chelsea are top two in the table right now and yeah, they might go through a stretch. Like Liverpool and uh, City, you know, Guardiola and Klopp aren't on the hot seat or even, even a little bit right now. I mean, look at Arsene Wenger struggled for how many years at the end of his career. Like, obviously, that's a different situation, but I'm just saying that I think if you're Chelsea, like, what's their worst case scenario? Maybe finish fifth or sixth for a season. Is it really that big of a deal to give a guy another year? I think with Sarri, he kind of you know dug his own grave here because he, you're right, he's been really stubborn. He well, do you, okay, caused so, a chasm with the players, but it's also it's like man, it, I don't know. Question for you then: Do you think it's his fault, or do you think it's the players, the situation he's in? I think it's mostly his fault. Okay. I think that for a while it was probably a combination, but I think the last few weeks here, these results, he's got to take the responsibility for them because at the end of the day, I mean, it's his job to motivate the players and to keep them organized and, you know, if things aren't going right, make necessary changes. If the players are probably not going out there and giving it 100% effort match to match because of the situation, but it's it's kind of his job to maintain all that. It's tough because I do want to err on the side of, and I tend to manager loyalty in football. I tend to think, oh, give him some time, give him some chances. I think it's absolutely Sorry's fault as well. And like I said, no squad rotation, very, very poor move he made a couple weeks ago. And and how, quite frankly, he's not a young manager. He's not an experienced manager. How he doesn't have the foresight to know, you know, what's going to happen after he does something like that. Where he's in a foreign country, he's within his first year of, of managing there. It's incredibly naive, I think foolish, I might even say stupid, um, and the lack of squad rotation after that I think indicates how non-confident he is behind what he did. He's, I think he's wait, laying awake at night thinking, oh my god, what did I do? when I He came off the back of a bad result a couple weeks ago and, and, and roasted his team, and now I think he's going to bed every night thinking, oh shit, I was in the heat of the moment, we lost that game, I was passionate, I yelled at my team, I'm really regretting doing that, and I think if he didn't regret doing it, and if he felt really good about what he did, he would just say, alright, well you guys aren't doing it, cool, I'm going to bring in all these great players from my bench, and he would rotate his team more. So I think it's his fault uh, heavily. Yeah, the only thing I will say on that, and then we can move on from sorry, because, I mean, we talk about it, I feel like, Marizio. almost every week now, but um, you were saying that, like, he's probably regretting that decision, like, lying awake. When we talked about that decision, because we did cover it on the podcast, we talked about it for a while, he, we were talking about how it seemed really calculated. Like, he brought a translator with him, he basically was prepared to have that press conference, and it didn't seem like it was just, like, a rash decision. It seemed like he had a message he wanted to get out there. He brought a translator. So at the end of the day, like, if he regrets it, maybe. But I think that he knew what he was doing. And I think he knew that there was a big risk with that. He just It just backfired on him. And yeah. it was, it was a likely to backfire. But, you know, maybe the, the flip side of it is maybe it does motivate his players. And then, yeah, you know, it's, and then, it's all about momentum and form. And he just doesn't have any of that right now. Right. And the last thing is, like, who, you know, if not sorry, then who? Right and yeah, and so we, you mentioned Lampard. The other guy that got linked was Zidane, who um, you know had his spell with Real Madrid, and that's who, basically his experience. Yeah, but, yeah. I actually don't think Zidane really knows what he's doing either. But I wouldn't be surprised. That, that move wouldn't surprise me. No, I mean it, it just goes to show you how thin the talent pool is these days in the football management world. It just goes to show. Man. It just goes to show they're really crying out for a, a young Chris Saber and Jack Ridgway to jump on the scene. Um, my phone's 
ready to go. Like, I sent give me a call. Yeah, I mean, you remember when I sent my CV to Aston Villa back in like seventh grade? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, but it was all over seventh grade Facebook. Jack got a couple likes. So I was pretty proud of myself. Uh, they never responded, obviously. Yeah. Anyway, so last thing I want to cover, and then we'll get to trivia. This we'll just touch on this quickly because there's not a whole lot of discussion we want to have about it, but I think it's interesting. So. Obviously, there's the situation with Emiliano Sala, transferred from FC Nantes. You were just in France. Is that how you would say it? Nantes. Uh, FC Nantes. Nantes. FC Nantes. Uh, looks like Nantes, but transferred. I have no idea. From, <laughs> you were just in France. Um, he moved to Cardiff. The agreed-upon deal was $15 million, and now there's all this controversy, debate about whether or not Cardiff should be paying the full amount for the transfer, whether Nantes should be footing the bill. Um, there's like an insurance policy involved. Also, FC Nantes owe half of his uh, fee, so half of that $15 million to Bordeaux, which was part of their deal when they signed him from there. And Salah's agent is complaining that he paid for all these flights and this and that, and he needs to be compensated too. So It just it creates a very, I don't want to say precedent, because I hope that a situation like this never happens again. I guess in human history, probably well, a situation like this will happen again. It just creates a very the, – the whole interesting for all you finance people out there, um, it creates a very interesting um, – yeah, it's a very interesting decision well, in terms of I where – I think you're going to say precedent, but the, the reason why I like it is because there is no precedent for the situation. Right, exactly. There is right. there's no historical – I mean no one's ever flown to another – I mean because fl- you know, they've been flying players to other for international transfers for only so, so long. But I also um, And then no one's I, ever disappeared and then – died a couple weeks later and so it's like whose fault is that is it the people who bought the flight is it the people who um put them on the plane is it the people who got the pilot is it the Does club avoid the deal Does the, the insurance kick right at what point was he uh fc Nantes player and at what point was he a cardiff player was it when he signed the contract he hadn't played a game for him yet had he been to been a cardiff yet as a signed player and been to the training ground yet got even landed in wales he so you're supposed to meet the team the next day so it is just a very very sticky situation and the challenge is there's so much money is at play it's a club record training Transfer for Cardiff, so you know they don't want to pay club record money for a skeleton, right? Or for someone to not even show up and play a game for them, because that's a massive move for them to try and and they're trying to you know stay up and won't have Premier League money next year. And then Nantes, he's been their top school scorer for three years, mm-hmm. so they but also want to be compensated accordingly well, for they, part they re- no longer have. And they, and they would say them. that, and they would say that obviously they they yeah they would say obviously that you know had they never sold him to Cardiff they would still have him right because he never would have gotten the plane so. It's, it's really tough, and the thing is, it's just unfortunate all around. There's not really going to be a winner here, and no one's really right or wrong, but it is going to get a little bit messy because at the end of the day, $15 million is a lot for a club like Cardiff or FC Nantes. Like you said, that was their biggest chance I mean, forever. Yeah, it's a lot for any club essentially outside of the top, outside of PSG in France and any club outside the top six in England. Yeah. And um, it's a, I mean, it's a lot of money in global football. The interesting thing is, though, is like at what it is kind of dirtying the legacy a little bit because, I mean, both the clubs are being pretty, quite frankly, pretty shameless in terms of going after the money here. Well, um, I think, I think, I'm not sure how much of it's getting publicized and how much of it's getting blown out of the water because everyone's going to look at it as a little bit, like with a little bit of a interesting negative inter- lens saying like, you know what, like this guy just passed away. But at the end of the day, like that's business too. Like they have to figure it out and, uh, life insurance. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing too is, is, one interesting thing that Cardiff have done, they've actually gone to Crystal Palace and asked for Crystal Palace to help with some of the funds because they say that Crystal Palace's interest in Emiliano Sala at the time of the transfer inflated the price 
for Emiliano Sala from like 17 million to 20 million pounds and because they because of Crystal Palace they had to pay three million dollars more to secure the transfer which is absolutely ludicrous well, like here, what is Cardiff doing well here's the it, thing it, Cardiff true. definitely don't seem like they're handling it well based on what I've read it seems like most most of the perception is that Cardiff are the ones that are being like the nastiest about it but if you're Cardiff it's really tough it's like you just bought this guy how can you say that they should you know, have to spend 15 million pounds yeah. unless, like, the flight or the accident was blatantly their fault. It's their club record transfer. Like, it's like buying your dream house and then you drive to go move in. It's just burned down by the time you get there. I think I guess our point is that there's really no right way to look at this, but it's just really interesting. Someone's going to look bad. Nothing, and... nothing like this has ever happened. So it's kind of crazy to think about and to figure out. And, and so basically um, the last thing is Nan said they're going to take the situation to FIFA if Cardiff don't pay their first installment by Wednesday, so tomorrow. Um, so, like, FIFA might have to get involved, and they're going to have to figure out something. Yeah. Well, on this one, I definitely want some opinions from people because, I mean, I feel you can fall anywhere on the spectrum here. So, yeah, tweet, tweet us your, your thoughts and reactions to the, the Emiliano Sal and, and kind of who is liable or who do you think should be liable because I'm curious and there's no precedent, so no one's right or wrong. Maybe we'll put out a poll or something. But Twitter poll. We don't want to monetize the situation. monetize <laughs> it too much here. But, all right, cool. Let's get into our trivia here. So, I'm going to be... Hitting Jack with the trivia this week. Um, I have something that I think is pretty good. I'm pretty excited about it. It's something that you personally should know a lot about, which is why I think it'll go well. I think you'd probably be able to beat most of the listeners on this. Um, it's kind of an area of your expertise. I th- there's 10 guesses. I do not think it would be impossible for you to get all 10. It's going to be the it's around the nationality of players, isn't it? It is my expertise. Yeah, it's related to nationality of players, but it's not guessing nationality of players. So um, there's 10 options here. I think it's fair to give you 60 seconds. Again, I I doubt you get all 10, but I think it's doable. So play along at home. Um, And we're going to do 60 seconds on the clock. I need you to name the current 2018-2019 top English Premier League scorers. So these are the top 10 goal scorers of English nationality in the Premier League so far this year. All of them have at least five goals. And they're, Eng- they're English-born? Every single one is English. That they play, as eligible like, for the English national team? So not Wilfred Zaha wouldn't be one, for example. Wilfred Zaha, I don't think he has five goals. but He, he would, does have five. He just got his fifth. Um, well, no, he's not on here because he's, okay. you know, I- Ivorian. But, um, so, yeah, they're all English, the top ten goal scorers. Um, again, they all have five or more. And I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Three, two, one. All right. Harry Kane. Yes. Jamie Vardy. Yes. Raheem Sterling. Yes. Um, Hot start. Yep. And now I'm trying to trying to think of everybody here. Uh, Marcus Rashford. Yep. Jesse Lingard. No. Paul, uh, no. Sorry. Wow. I just almost went Pogba. That's really dumb. Um, and you got 35 seconds. Six left. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, James Madison. Yes. Good guess. Halfway there. Um, hmm. No, no. Denny Welbeck, Maitland Niles. No, no. Um, wide players. Mark Albrighton. No. Um, Danny Ings. Yes. Um, four, three, two, one. Uh, Troy Austin. No, you got six. 
Damn disappointed with that. Six isn't bad, but the ones that you missed, I think you're going to be pretty upset about. Yeah, I'm going to be really upset. The, the, ones, the four that you missed were all really good. So here's where you got. You got Harry Kane, who was first with 14 goals. Mm-hmm. Raheem Sterling, second with 12. You got Marcus Rashford, who was fifth with nine. Jimmy Vardy in six with eight goals. So you got the front six. No. Front five? No. I'll tell you in a second. Danny Ings in seventh with seven goals, and then James Madison in a tie for eighth with five. So there's two guys that you missed that have ten goals. Those are the third and fourth. Do you think you can get either of them? They're both both center forwards. What the heck? They're not from big clubs. Um, trying to think middle or bottom of the table. Andy Carroll has no goals. They're not, oh, they're not guys that get oh, a lot of caps. no. Callum Wilson. Yes. And, God, that's really dumb. How did I not get Callum Wilson? That one was, re- I thought it was a gimme, but. God, that's so dumb. I can't believe you got Danny Ings and not Callum Wilson. God, that's so dumb. That makes me so angry. It's all right. Um, and so then, one more with 10. This one you should have gotten even easier, probably. Glenn Murray. Yep. God, damn. Okay. And then the last two, one of them had, or actually they both had five goals. They were tied with James Madison. They're not strikers, though, are One they? of them is. One of them is a striker that you hate. I hate I hate the striker. I do too. We all hate him. We know his cousin. Oh, Troy Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney has five. Shout goals. out Niall and George Deeney. Yeah, good clue. Uh, yeah, Niall, if you're listening, shout out your cousin George. And then the last one is a midfielder. Attacking midfielder from a big club. Um, this I one should be easy. I said Lingard, obviously. Um... No one. F- oh, Deli Alley. Yeah. So I mean, all wow. four of those. Wow. wow, wow That's why wow, I thought, like, you know, this is pretty attainable. And then after that, it gets pretty tough. There's five guys tied for 11. Shout out Andres Townsend. That's where Lingard was. Um, but that was the only other guy you guessed that looks like he has a wow. goal. Um, or well, at least sorry, uh, sorry, Glenn Murray and. Uh, sorry, Glenn Murray. Whatever. He plays for Brighton now. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't get Wilson. Um, yeah, it's dumb. Delhi, Delhi, only because he's such a good English player. But yeah, he just he's been out of the team for a while. Again, players who are kind of out of recent spotlight. Um, they don't none of them goals lately, so they weren't on my mind. But true, true. Not bad. Not bad. You got six. Not your best. But anyway, we'll move on. So the last thing we're gonna do. This is something we've been talking about doing for a while. Uh, obviously, uh, like Americans, the easiest way to watch the Premier League is on NBC Sports. They do a thing every week called the Predictor app, and they give you five matches coming up. You have to guess the exact score and result of the matches. If you get all five of them perfectly correct, there's a jackpot of fifty grand. Yeah. And then if no one gets all of them, I think they split like $5,000 between the top whatever people. Yeah, they split up the money, it, which is cool because I don't think anyone's gotten the 50K yet. No, they will like tweet out when there's like one or two, one match left. Like there might be still 12 people available or something. It's really, really hard to get the scores exact. We thought it'd be really fun to actually highlight a couple of games that are coming up and then maybe get some people to play along at home. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to tweet out our predictions and try to get some people uh, to play along with us and see who can you know win just within our group as well. Yeah, I mean, the app's like a really simple thing to do because it, it takes like 10 five. seconds. You can put notifications on. You'll get a notification before. Right. I won 53 cents a couple weeks ago, Nothing so bad. real money from no investment. So that is literally the definition of free money. It's all yeah. ridiculous. I haven't I tried to withdraw. You probably had to hook up like a PayPal account. Or no, I haven't tried to withdraw yet, yeah, but I'm sure that's where the tax man gets I me. I think they're just going to mail you a couple of quarters. And I'm trying to keep it there and see, you know, it's like Venmo money until you withdraw or deposit 
else. It's not real. So it's free money, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so hopefully someone can win more than fifty three cents, like Jack. But still pretty fun. So we're gonna just like kind of quick uh, hit these five matches. Maybe highlight a little bit what we expect from the match and our scores. So I'll go first here. The first match on the predictor app is Bournemouth uh, home to Wolves. I'm going two two. I think Wolves have been playing well, uh, very well actually. They're up at the seventh in the table. Bournemouth are at home. They're uh, they've been a little bit shaky as of late after a really solid start. But I think this one's going to be some goals. Wolves have been scoring a lot. They haven't been really really good defensively. And I think uh, Bournemouth's home edge will get them on the score sheet. So I'm going two two. Yeah, I'm going to go two nil to Wolves. I think Wolves are going to win two nil. I think Wolves. Wolves, are, I'm, I mean, I'm, a, I'm on the Wolves train. I'm fully on They're it. They're really good right now. You and love Raul Jimenez. I do like Raul Jimenez a lot. Um, I like. I just like the way they play. I think they get the ball really, really wide. I think Matt Doherty's probably going to be in the team of the season, the right back from Wolves. He's brilliant. Um, and I think that Bournemouth really struggle with – I think Wolves do really well when people try and play free-flowing games. Like you look at some of the games they win. They had, Wolves only really struggle against people who don't really try to play. People who like sit behind the ball, they, they struggle. They can't break down. No, know. yeah. Like they struggled against Palace. They struggled against some of the bottom They counter really well. Um, but, yes, yeah, their movement's really strong. So if people try to play against them, they actually fun, you know, are able to kind of soak up the pressure and hit people on the counter really well. So I reckon they'll win 2-0. Okay, you can go first in the next one. And then with Huddersfield Newcastle, um, this is not one for the neutrals. So or relegation scrap. This is somewhere where if NBC, you got to buy the NBC Gold app to like watch games that aren't on TV. This is someone where just by having the rights to this game, I think that NBC will generate a total of zero dollars. I don't think anyone will buy NBC Gold to watch this fixture. It, um, wait, wait, wait! Before you get your prediction, it's funny you say that. I'm going to double check this, so I'm not wrong, but. I'm pretty certain that this game is on NBC Sports and the Bournemouth game is on NBC This is the one that's like nationally televised? I'm double-checking right now, but I'm pretty sure. Pretty Someone's got to lose their job, NBC, because that. Someone's got to be fired. Some intern like has got to, you know, has, someone's got to be fired and just or get coffee for that. The yeah, so it's, it's Newcastle and Huddersfield on NBC Sports. At that's nine. shocking. That's the television. That's match. shocking. <laughs> that's well, it's it's relegation scrap. They're in like... Uh, 17th and 20th. So I, so I I go nil-nil. Um, nil-nil, and you know you can kind of stream cricket while you're on that one because this is going to be equally entertaining. Yeah, I think Newcastle are certainly a better side. Huddersfield have 11 points. I don't know if they'll get another point all season. So I'm going Newcastle 1-0. I think it's going to be pretty ugly. I would make sure you don't get gold before this game or get someone's login because this is not going to be the fun one to watch of the 9 a.m. Central ones, but... Yeah, I'm on one nil Newcastle again. I don't want to talk about that one that much. Yeah, so which goes that brings us to Leicester Crystal Palace. Palace away at Leicester, the King Power. Um, Chris, who you got? I'm going two one Palace Homer pick, but they're playing well right now. Uh, they just came off a two 0 win in the FA Cup. They looked really good against West Ham one one. Their team is basically at full strength for the first time all season. So I uh, I feel pretty good about Palace. I think Leicester are um, they're doing okay. They you so just saw them recently against Spurs. They lost 3-1. Uh, even away, I, I feel like Palace are going to bag a couple goals here, and I'll give Leicester one back, but 2-1 Palace. Yeah, Leicester, interesting. I actually think Leicester and Palace are like on the same level almost. I agree, yeah. I think it's a really they, good matchup. They play very similar brands of football. I actually think they're both quite well-drilled and well-coached and uh, in terms of the way they line up, their rotation of movement while they attack. Um, and... 
Yeah, I, I well, I reckon Palace will nick this one one nil away. Both of them defend really well in terms of their shape. I mean, I know Leicester just got blown up for three goals against Spurs, but I reckon that Palace will defend. It'll be kind of a cagey affair, and I think Palace will nick one away. Hopefully, uh, Mishi or Benteke are able to uh, nag a goal. Benteke, I don't know if he'll play. All right, now next Mishi one. Starts, actually. This is the game of the week. Um, this is just the order they had it in. We didn't save the best for last, I guess, but. It's United at home against Liverpool. United are red hot right now. Yeah, they did lose to PSG. They um, did. Well, midweek last week. But in, in terms of domestic play, they're red hot. Good Paul, save. Good save. Pogba is lighting lighting it up right now. Uh, he had a goal and assist uh, in the FA Cup against Chelsea. He's been on fire. They've won in their last five. They've won four and drawn one. They got the home advantage against Liverpool. I think that there's going to be a lot of goals in this one. Liverpool have been really good defensively this year, but. I think that United will open up a little bit, and I'm going 3-2 United. I realize the difference is that I have way more goals in all my matches than you, so I guess I'm a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Gritty. I, I don't know. There's something about uh, when people come back from an FA Cup weekend that I, I tend to feel that you know, some of the games are a little bit more conservative. Players are re- a little bit more rested, but... Um, Man United, Liverpool. I'm gonna go one-one. Uh, I think I don't think there'll be actually that many goals. I, I reckon each team will have a, a bit of a moment of weakness. Liverpool really haven't been scoring much. They just drew nil-nil today in the Champions yes, League. There's a little recency bias here. Yeah, a little, definitely a little, definitely a little <laughs> recency bias. Um, and and United, I you know I saw them. Uh, re- kind of rebound pretty well in the, in the FA Cup with the win over Chelsea. But I don't think there are a ton of goals in this one. I think both both teams will have a mistake made or and maybe there's a penalty to equalize 1-1. One, one. But um, I do think, I, I will say, I don't know. I don't remember the last time. Or Man United and Liverpool, this game actually matters. Um, for the last probably, you know, ever since Strauss Ferguson left, this game hasn't really mattered that much. Um, and I can't remember recent history at the uh, time where this game has been a bigger game. It's a good fixture United too. It's a pretty classic fixture. These are two like storied clubs, and they definitely have a bit of a rivalry. But you're right; it hasn't really mattered a whole lot lately. Also, a recency bias. Yeah, Liverpool was nil nil today against Bayern, but I'm pretty sure they had ten shots in the first half. So I think they're still generating stuff. They're just going to have to find no genos, no genos. Touch. Um, but no, I, I think this is a really good matchup. This is a must see one. It's on Sunday, so with both, the way both these clubs are playing, I think it'll be a very interesting match and fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got Arsenal Southampton, the last one. This one's tough because obviously you guys know I'm Team Ralph Hasenhutl. Yeah, you're love, uh, you love Southampton. Love right dropping now. his name. Yeah, they're a more sexy club to love than. I don't Chelsea. know. If you, do you love Southampton more? or Do I hate Arsenal more? Do you love Chelsea more, or do I love Southampton more? I don't love Chelsea anymore. They burned me. They'd be dirty. <laughs> uh, that was my, that was my uh, like darling to start the year. Yeah, I yeah. It's funny. Wait, actually, before we move on, I have to say this. I just realized my, we basically like both picked a team in the top six, which is dumb because they're the top six. But that we thought we'd do well. Arsenal and Chelsea. You had Arsenal. I had Chelsea. They have. They both have fifteen wins, five draws, six losses, plus sixteen goal differential. They're dead even right now. Literally the exact same team. So, February, so we don't know. Anything. February nineteenth, twenty nineteen. And firmly in fifth and sixth, not in the top four. <laughs> no, yeah, so. this is like this is like a wormhole. Thing I'm I had to say something because that's just like that's mind blowing. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, they probably have like the same amount of goals in the top six scorers as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, probably not. Obama has got a bucket, but yeah, anyway. Cut that off. Um, but I've got Arsenal winning this one against Southampton. Arsenal are at home. Uh, I'm not. There's much of a home field advantage of the Emirates, um, but I do think they'll pull this one out 2-1, um, but I think Southampton will give them a game. Dig at that Arsenal supporters there. Yeah, it's, it's miserable. You've been to the Emirates, it's just not a good place. It's dead quiet. Is this a library all day long? Like, it's dead quiet. Well, uh, I'm not giving them much of a home field advantage either. I'm going 2-2. I don't know why I'm picking so many goals. There's no way there's going to be this Yeah, you've goals. got, what, four, five, nine... 
Uh, Four out of five games have three 12, or more goals. 13. Yeah. So you got 17 goals in five games. Okay, but you also only have three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. In five. Ugh, it's just ugly. It's going to be a gritty weekend. If you win, it's going to be a disappointing weekend. Let's no, come on. Palace will win 1-0 away. It'll be a brilliant weekend. Yeah, that'll be good. But, yeah, I got 2-2 Arsenal-Southampton. I don't think either of these clubs are that good. Arsenal's obviously better, but I'm just – I don't know. Yeah. I guess you got me on the, the housing huddle trip. Yeah, either way, either way, if you guys – if any of you guys steal our picks and then go on to win money and I just split my winnings with you on the NBC Predictor app, <laughs> I'm going to be pissed. If I, I don't think anyone gives, if, us enough, like, gives us that much credit. If, goes from like, copy our if it goes from like 53 cents to like 28, I'm going to be pissed. We just pissed. told them that Arsenal and Chelsea were our darlings so they didn't listen to that episode and yeah, that, that wasn't a good pick. So true. I don't think we need to worry about that too much. But what we're going to do is we're going to follow us on Twitter. It's at goes to show pod. Uh, Jack and I already tweeted out from our accounts too, probably, but we're going to screenshot our picks from the predictor app. You guys do the same. We'll see uh, if anyone can get really close here. If if someone, one of our followers, is like making a run through three or four matches, perfect. Like, well, probably to throw a party or something. Yeah, get them out. Yeah, yeah, spotlighted or something. Get them. We'll give them the control of that Twitter account for the day. Or can something. you like sc- stream someone watching a match on Twitch? Is that a thing? I don't well, know you know how people like do Snapchat takeovers. You know, oh, yeah, can give yeah. Ooh, we can have a we can have an Instagram takeover yeah. for the just goes. We, we have to make an Instagram. Yeah, we don't have an Instagram. <laughs> we can do that. Um, We'll see. Someone's got to do it first, though, so you guys got to participate. Yeah. Uh, and it's the NBC Predictor app. We'll tweet it out, but really simple to download and takes 10 seconds to play, so might as well do it. Other than that, I don't think we have a whole lot else. Anything else in your mind? No, right look now? out for the Twitter pick from Sun Mania. Aside from that... It's a video, isn't it? We got a video. We got pictures. Oh, okay. We got both. Okay. Um, either way, absolutely mental. Might be my phone background just to remind me of the craziness in the world we live in. Um, but send us your thoughts on Twitter. Please do. And then we'll be back with you next week. And we know it's been a kind of a week hiatus. So um, subscribe or download via Spotify, Apple, however you. Yeah, we're not doing anywhere soon. So we should be back to our regular regular Monday schedule. Let's go. Hopefully coming forward. Um, but yeah, appreciate everyone listening. Excited for the matches this weekend. Please hit us up on Twitter. Get some more engagement here. Give us your thoughts. We'll get some stuff coming out you that way, too. But, yeah, just goes to show. Everybody's human. Let's go. Thanks, Thanks guys.